But uh, it's wonderful to be here, uh, right up in the, in the north, in the beautiful uh, West Kimberley uh, today. We, we feel so privileged uh, to, to be here. We've been exploring uh, places like Lombardina, Kuljaman up at Cape Levick, had a wonderful week of camping uh, for the school holidays and just been so, so blessed uh, by this church, uh, by this team uh, this morning already. So thank you very much for having us. Uh, so my name's uh, Levi. I, I travel around uh, the country and New Zealand and other countries, imagine that, uh, when I can. I've been, been touring for the last uh, 15 years full-time to churches and schools, uh, prisons and pubs, you name it, just getting out there sharing the gospel uh, through song. And both my wife and I, we have a, a passion for travel and a real hunger for justice. Uh, so we've spent a lot of the last uh, decade over in, in Africa, uh, working in places like Kenya, uh, Uganda, Rwanda, Somalia, uh, getting to, to see some of the places that Megan's experienced with World Vision. And, uh, and I've been able to come along, take some photos, come, come away, write some songs about my experience, uh, some of which you'll hear today. Uh, but a real theme of, of the album that I, that I put out last year uh, that I, I wanted to, to share and, and travel around Australia, and only now I'm getting the chance to do so, uh, was, was all about finishing well. See, I was a, I was a runner uh, when I was a little kid. I was a, a sprinter. I loved to run. I even went to a school with a young fellow here today. He was a skater. I was a sprinter, and uh, I loved the 100-meter event. I just loved it. I, I didn't win all the time, but I, I really loved uh, to, to train in this event. And I used to go to Little Ass on a Saturday morning. Do they have that here in WA? Yeah, awesome. Uh, little Ass in Bendigo, my, my little hometown in Victoria, was awesome. used to go along and get coached by this very famous coach who worked with a lot of like Commonwealth Games-level athletes. So he knew what he was talking about. And one day he saw me running... And he said, Levi, you've got to come over. Come sit down. You're doing it all wrong. I said, what do you mean? You know, I, I win a few races. I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm pretty quick. He goes, no, no, no. You're slowing down over the last 10 meters of the race, the last little section of the race. I notice your hands go down. You stop pumping your legs and you slow down as you cross the finish line. Why do you do that? I said, well, all, all the runners on TV, they do that. You know, you watch the Olympics, 400 meters. They all slow down over the last little bit of the race. They're exhausted. They're spent. And he goes, I want you to imagine that instead of being 100 meters, it's 110 or 120 meters. I want you to run through that finish line with the same energy, the same enthusiasm that you started with. And I thought, wow, what, a, what an awesome picture of, of faith. What a, what a great parallel with the life of faith. You know, so often we start the race full of fire, full of passion, full of enthusiasm for God. Just so thankful to Jesus that we're, we're saved, that we're reborn that we have this new life like the songs we we sung about this morning talked about but then you know the challenges of, of life come our way we lose a family member we get a, a big bill we're in a car accident and horrible incidents come our way and we we can lose our faith we get bored with it we have a bad experience at church we have a, a terrible relationship that goes bad and we we lose our faith i was really encouraged one christmas lunch while chatting with my uncle uh, to write a song about finishing well. How few songs he said they, that he hears on the radio that actually talk about finishing the race well and strong, just like you started. And for all those people that we, we see drop away and, and fall out of faith, wouldn't it be amazing if, if we were able to encourage them and encourage ourselves just to stay the course? I want to share these beautiful words if you want to read along with me from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. 
Let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Pretty powerful words. This first song this morning I want to share with you is, is called Finish Well. What I've got to remember when things don't make sense there's so much that I can't see and don't understand. Though right now seems difficult, so much is still left undone. Keep turning the pages, the best is still yet to come. I know I can face the future because I am in your hands and I know I can take whatever tomorrow brings I know that I can finish well whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. Can I throw off what's slowing me down? Feels like I'm trying to fly with my feet on the ground. Though right now it seems difficult, so much is still left undone. Keep turning the pages, the best is still yet to come. Cause I know I can face the future, because I am in your hands. I know I can take whatever tomorrow brings. I know I can keep on running. Because of your promises, I know that I can finish well. I can't find a box that's big enough to fit these broken parts. But I know that your love will be enough to heal my scars. Cause I know I can face the future because I am in your hands. I know I can take whatever tomorrow brings. 
I know I can keep on running because of your promises. I know that I can finish. I can finish. I can finish well. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank you very much. Well, as I mentioned, uh, we've, we've had the privilege of, of traveling to, to Africa on, on multiple occasions. And one trip uh, that really changed my life forever uh, was way back in, in 2009. Uh, we, we didn't have any kids at that stage. And uh, my wife got a, an opportunity to go uh, for six months uh, to serve at a, at a World Vision Rehabilitation Center for former child soldiers. And this was run in the north of Uganda. And if you know anything about the history uh, there, there's, there's been a war uh, for almost 40 years now, if you can imagine, between a, a guy called Joseph Kony and the Lord's Resistance Army. And he's still on the loose somewhere in either South Sudan or Central African Republic or the Congo somewhere. They still haven't found this guy and brought him to justice. But he was responsible in the, the early 2000s for abducting over 30,000 children uh, to become uh, child soldiers and, and child slaves. The young girls were, were taken and married off as child brides and young boys ages 11 and 12 were given machine guns, rifles, forced to carry munitions uh, through the jungles to fight against the government of Uganda. And his, his aim was to try and overthrow the government to run things his way. But a very evil man, very evil uh, practices. And as you can imagine, lots of these kids, uh, they never made it home. But while we were there, volunteering at this, this center for, for six months, working with these beautiful kids, traumatized by war, but somehow showed us they, they still had hope and that, that gave us hope. We bump into this kid uh, one day. So we're in this, this World Vision compound, if you can imagine these high brick walls with glass on top to stop you know, thieves and stuff coming in. There's deep poverty in this town, lots of crime, lots of violence, lots of the effects of war still around, lots of mental health issues. But we're in this compound and the big blue steel gates open up and in walks this 17-year-old young fella called Justin. He comes up to me, shakes my hand, he introduces himself, he tells me his name's Justin, that he's just returned from years spent as a child soldier, abducted as a boy, and boy, his life was, was just a mess. Bullet wounds still in his, in his body, but he's got this massive smile on his face, and I'm looking at him like, why are you so happy? He's like, I'm free. I'm home. I'm back in my hometown. I'm about to be reunited soon with my family once they find where they're, where they're living now. More than two million people displaced by war, but this guy is just so excited for his future, so excited to still be alive, to have a, a second chance, if you will. Now, on day one, taps me on the shoulder. He says, Levi, there's been something I've, I've been longing to do ever since I was, I was taken away. Can you take me on a bit of a special run into town? And I said, yeah, man, what, what for? He goes, I want to go to the local library. I said, okay, cool. He goes down to the local library and he picks up a, a stack of books. And I, I think he's going to get like, I don't know, puzzles, mazes, where's Wally or something, some kids' books to read. Comes out with maths books, like English books, physics books, all the stuff that someone his age, like in year 11 or 12, would be studying, right? And he brings it back to the center. 
And he starts to study in these textbooks because he's desperate to get back to school. And I, I go to him after a couple of weeks of seeing him study every day when the other kids are playing soccer and basketball and music. And I say, man, what's the go? You know, you're supposed to be just resting, recovering, just rehabilitating. Just, you don't have to go back to school so soon. I wouldn't rush. He looks me in the eye and he's quite serious. And he says, Levi, I was abducted nine years ago. I was taken away from my family. And that's, that sucks. That, that was hard. But I was also taken away from my education. And for me here in Uganda, that's, that's life. That's chance at a job, at getting married one day, at being a prospect. You know, that's, that's everything to me. That's my future. And I, I want to achieve that. I want to get back to school. So I'm blown away by this, this guy's you know, heart in the, in the face of adversity. He's, he's just full of courage. We stay uh, with him, get to know him for a few months. We introduce him to Vegemite um, one, one day in our house over dinner. He vomits in our kitchen sink, uh, hated it. But we, we got a, a special invitation from Justin to travel back uh, as he was reunited with his family for the first time in these nine long years. And I've got to say, after lots of prayer went into that day and into that moment, we saw his incredible uh, family all gathered under the shade around this little tree in this village, a two-hour dusty long drive away. They'd all walked for miles and miles from the other villages to be there to welcome him home. And his Christian praying grandmother came up to me and she said this, you know, I've been praying for years that I would see this boy alive. I never stopped hoping, never stopped believing. And now all my worries can cease. And that made a line of one, one of the uh, lyrics in this song. But I pray it blesses you. Uh, this is called a reunion song. Came around the final corner And his smile began to grow In the air the smell of mangoes Goats and chickens on the road Oh, the sun was bright and blinding The day he came back home He said, my reunion's come My reunion's come After all these years Underneath the shade of branches One by one he was embraced the dust rose with their dancing as they sang their songs of praise. All his family gathered around him. They bowed their heads to pray. They said, our reunions come. Our reunions come after all these years. Oh, oh, oh. Cicadas they were calling In the tall green grass so deep And his grandmother ran towards him She danced triumphantly She clutched him by his shoulders and They both began to weep She said our reunions come Our reunions come After all these years 
Cicadas they were calling in the tall green grass so deep And his grandmother ran towards him She danced triumphantly She clutched him by his shoulders They both began to weep She said our reunions come Our reunions come after all these years Oh, oh, oh. His grandmother tells him that now he's returned All of her worries have ceased Says now that you're here in my arms once again Now I can finally sleep Oh, 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 oh. Ending. Thank you. Can you tell it's been a while since I've used this thing? Wow. Well, uh, my dad's a pastor, as, as Peter mentioned, and uh, hands up any other pastor's kids in the room? Yep, I'd be, I'd be embarrassed to say so as well. No. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a beautiful curse, uh, being a, a <laughs> pastor's uh, son or daughter. Um, all eyes are on you, uh, your, your whole life kind of watching you growing up in church. My dad had a, an incredible stuttering problem, and I used to travel with him to the camps. He was quite itinerant, to the youth conferences, to the churches he spoke, and I'd sit in the front row, spit it out, Dad, you know, just spit it out, and I'd finish his sentences, I'd finish the verse references for him, but I was fun uh, growing up with, with Dad as a pastor. My, my old man, he loved to, to play jokes, he loved to... Um, play practical jokes on the, on the churches where he was ministering. And one little church uh, that he, he used to tell me about was way before I was born, he was, he was pastoring out in country Victoria. It was a tiny little white church in the middle of a paddock, little farming uh, community. And he noticed almost immediately as he got his appointment there that it was a really clicky kind of place. Like there were just these tight, group of, of friends, about 30, 40 people that, that kind of fellowship there regularly and they just, they had their, their group, they didn't really associate with anyone else in the community and they gave off the impression that the church was full or closed to outsiders somehow and dad was just mind blown thinking, well the church is for everyone, everyone needs to hear about Jesus, everyone needs to hear about God's love, you know, we're open to all nationalities, cultures, backgrounds, you know, we want to welcome people to this place and so he decided to mess with them. A little bit in the way that he does and so uh he had a couple of weeks off and my, my dad's been compared to a, a gorilla 
in his time. He's a very hairy man, back hair. You know, he's got thicker knuckle hair than my head hair. He's just a, this is a man's man, you know, he's a builder now. Anyway, he's, uh, he's got this two weeks off. He decides to grow a beard. So in two weeks, he's got a pretty, pretty thick, bushy, black beard. And he goes down the op shop. And he finds these old sunglasses, a beanie, this old Harley Davidson leather jacket. He finds some jeans with rips in the knees, not the cool ones like the kids wear, like rips from actual hard work. And then he gets these boots, these old boots with the tongues coming off and they're just terrible. And he, he goes for a run, like every day for a week and doesn't, doesn't shower. And so he gets a real stink up. My mum must have hated it. But he goes along to church that very next, next Sunday. It's, you know, end, end of his holiday period, but he's not on the roster to preach. And so he, he goes in. My mum is, you know, sitting there. People are thinking, you know, where's Jeff? But he comes in and he sits at the back. And he's got his full disguise on, the dark sunnies, the beanie, the beard. No one recognizes him. And he's like, brilliant. They'll all think I'm some homeless, drifted, traveler guy that's just this random, you know, tough, tough bloke. Who am I? And he waits for someone to greet him that morning. He sits and he waits to be welcomed. And not a single person comes and shakes his hand. No one waves. No one says hi. The offering plate comes nowhere near him. He's not offered a, a cup of tea or a bicky after the service. You know, nothing. At the end of the service, as the elders, you know, shake people's hand and the deacons kind of wave goodbye, he thinks at least one of them, one of the ministry leaders of this church will, will welcome me, but no. So he goes away feeling really rejected. He thought at least someone would say hi, see that there's some bit of hope in this clicky little church. And so he comes back the next week and he's on the roster to preach. And instead of cleaning himself up, he just keeps the same look, keeps the beanie, keeps the hat, the whole disguise, and he takes the pulpit uh, when it's time uh, to get up and preach, just storms into the church after the music uh, is finished and uh, grabs the mic, opens his Bible, and begins to preach. And he preaches uh, from Mark chapter 12. Uh, and in, in that, that chapter, we see uh, the religious scholars, the religious teachers, the, the knowledge holders of, of the law in those days. They ask Jesus a question. One, one man in particular says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus thinks about this and he replies with this very wise two-part answer. He says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, spirit, and soul. Heart, mind, soul. All your energy, all your, all your love, all your passion, love God. But the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So to love God and love others. This is the greatest command that God gives. And as my, my dad starts to share this message with the crowd in bewilderment that morning, they're all a bit scared if they had mobile phones, they would have reached for him. Takes off his beanie, takes off his glasses, the jacket, and people see that's the pastor of their little local church. It's my dad, Jeff McGrath. And they're a bit shocked and some start to laugh. Oh, that's the guy that was here last week. Hey, Kev, did you say hi to him? Rochelle, did you say g'day, Joe, for him a cup of tea? Oh, oh. I don't think any of us actually talked to him or invited him to come again next week or did anyone say hello to this guy and this deep wave of like remorse washes across the church uh, that morning and my dad preached then and on many other occasions about the importance of being a welcoming uh, community and uh, we, we're part of a really welcoming community in, in Kununurra as well. It's great to see uh, you guys and what you're doing and your missions uh, over there reaching into Kenya and throughout Africa. Uh, having a good look uh, around the building and, and getting to know Peter 
over the last uh, couple months over the phone. I know that that's true. But what a wonderful thing it is uh, to welcome others and to let them know the love of Jesus in our lives. We um, started looking after a, a young girl in Kununurra that came into our lives through my wife's work with the youth in the community through Save the Children. And that was a real challenge for me. I, uh, I hate change and I really resisted it until I really felt the Spirit working through uh, that experience. And we've been able to provide a, a safe place uh, for a girl who, who really needed it. And, um, and she's brought so much witness and so much joy uh, into our lives and Lego as well. It's been good for the boys. This song is called Welcome the Stranger. daughters and our sons what's left for generations still to come if we're only looking out for number one so come on pick up your cross and carry Be ruined for the ordinary Do we love our neighbor? Do we welcome the stranger? Do we dive into danger? Do we dive into danger? Oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. My treasure's not where moth and rust decay. I cannot take it with me to the grave. These things of earth will surely pass away. So only what is lasting will remain. Come on, pick up your cross and carry. Be ruined for the ordinary. Do we love our neighbors? Do we welcome the strangers? dive into danger do we dive into danger do we die 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 do we die? 
Thank you very much. Well, it's been a tough season uh, for people right around Australia. I know many uh, visitors uh, to Broome from, from down south would have really felt the full effects of, of the pandemic. It's been a pretty, pretty crazy uh, last 18 months. We've got a lot of friends back in Melbourne uh, and Victoria that are really uh, struggling and suffering. Uh, and so I, I put this song uh, together uh, before the, the pandemic, but it, it seemed really fitting uh, for these times, just to remind us that God is, is in control. Crashing over me, rain pouring down. Thought I would sink, thought I would drown. Hoping I'd be safe, but time was running out. Oh, 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 You are in control. That is all I need to know When I'm feeling weak I need you to rescue me I need to know You're in control Trying not to panic, I couldn't see the shore So much further out than I'd ever been before Nothing I could hold, nowhere I could rest No one else around me, just this beating in my chest and oh, 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 oh You are in control That is all I need To know When I'm feeling weak I need you to rescue me I need to know Help me to know you're in I'm looking for a lighthouse Looking for a way out of this mess But you're in control You're in control You are in control That is all I need to know when I'm feeling weak I need you to rescue me I need to know help me to know I need to know you're in control
Thank you. Well, I have an older sister. Uh, she's two years older uh, than me. See, she's 23. And, uh, oh, no one laughed. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't get along with her, uh, though, as, as, as children. Uh, we didn't really see eye to eye on much. We had different tastes, different passions, different interests. I was sporty. She was dramatic. Um, she loved dance and painting and art, and I was running and got into music later in life. But uh, we are, we're a bit closer now. She, um, she left home at, at 17. Uh, she had some huge fights with my dad, got pretty crazy between them two, and they, they couldn't live uh, together. So she, she took off and got into cigarettes, into marijuana, uh, moved down to, to Melbourne and uh, started hairdressing. This apprenticeship we thought was going really well, uh, but her boss, instead of paying her with cash or, or money into her account, as he should have been, he was paying her with ice. And so she got hooked uh, from a fairly young age into ice, led to heroin, um, all, all kinds of, of different uh, kinds of drugs that she was abusing in the end. But eventually, after years and years of, of prayer and just seeing no result, just things getting worse and worse. She was getting skinnier and skinnier and just, just kind of fading away. Uh, she'd only call when she wanted money or, or she was drunk somewhere and needed someone to, to pick her up. Um, she moved over to Perth, came back to Melbourne, finally got herself in, in rehab uh, when, when she found out she was pregnant. And uh, she kind of calls us up and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a baby. I, I want to turn my life around um, and be the best mum that I can be, and, and we're all like, yeah, we'll, we'll see it when we, you know, believe it when we see it kind of thing, but, but it came true, and we started praying really, really earnestly uh, for those in the family, and I'll tell you what, her, her life just, just turned around. She has been the most dedicated, in, incredible mum, and she's doing it all on her own, um, but on, on top of that, on top of being, you know, uh, almost seven years clean and sober now, she's, uh, she's calls me up one day, and she says, I, I want to become a lawyer I thought what do you what do you mean she goes well I've seen the inside of a few courtrooms I wouldn't I wouldn't mind actually working there instead of uh, being on, on trial so <laughs> be good but she uh she decides to study law and um and she's a couple years into to her degree it's going to take her a long time but she's really dedicated to that so I want to just encourage you this morning uh, that the power of prayer is is real don't give up on the people that you're praying for the family the friends the Loved ones, it, it makes a difference. And my sister's real testimony to that. This song's called Love Wins. not have victory every race you run there may be times when it's no longer fun but for every journey there is pain to bear you might not feel ready but you'll make it I swear hold on to hope when your faith is thin Love wins 
hold on to hope Don't give in Cause love wins You may not discover any easy road There may be seasons when the healing comes slow But in every good story there are trials to endure Faith is the answer You can always be sure Hold on to hope When your faith is thin Love wins Hold on to hope Don't give in Cause love wins Just about done. The night disappears with the morning sun. Gone are the mountains that stood in your way. Gone are the shadows that darkened your day. Hold on, one more day. Hold on. Hold on to hope When your faith is thin Oh, love wins Hold on to hope Don't give in Cause love wins Don't give in love wins Don't give in Love wins, don't give in Cause love wins Thank you very much. We are, you might get the chance to, to meet my family uh, after the service. We're, we're heading back to, to Kununurra uh, today or, or through Halls Creek anyway, but my, my two boys, uh, Eden and, and River, are here this morning. And um, I don't know about, about any other dads in, in the room, but I was, I was quite happy, um, you know, just, just living with, with my wife and doing life together, traveling and the freedom we had as, as adults. And I wasn't desperate for kids to come along. Sorry, boys. But uh, when they did, it was, a, it was a really, really nice surprise. And uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing that, that happened in a, in a way that our, our lives changed and we became this awesome family. It's an incredible experience, but, but sometimes we can just draw back to that, that kind of selfish space where we just want our, our time back. And I know many mothers and, and fathers can agree with that kind of sentiment. But one day I'm, I'm working in my office at home. I've got the door shut. I'm working away on my laptop, you know, working out this next kind of set list for an upcoming tour and working out what it's going to look like and busy away, just really in, in the zone, you know. And I hear this knock, knock, knock at the door. And it's my little son, Eden. He's about five years old at the time. And he's like, Dad, can you come play with me? Dad, can you come play with me? And I just remember just getting so angry. Not now. Go away. Get out of here. I'm busy. I'm working. 
it's about seven o'clock at night. You know, I, I shouldn't have been working. I should have been hanging out with my kids, playing with them after school and probably helping them get into bed. And so a few minutes pass and I come to my senses. I close the laptop, I open the door, I go out, I find Eden, I give him a cuddle and I say, I'm so sorry, mate. So sorry, what do you want to play? You know, let's, let's play with the matchbox cards or whatever. And I realized something really special in that moment that, that our time is, is so short here on earth. Whatever length we have in this life, our, our time is so precious and the time that we spend with our kids is so precious. And I really, really learned a uh, big lesson, a big important lesson in my life is to be in the moment. I'm always thinking of what's coming up. Even the kids in the room, you might be thinking, what's for lunch? What's for dinner? What are we doing tomorrow? What are, we, are we going to the park today? We can live in the future our whole lives and never get there, never reach it, never enjoy it, never be satisfied with what God has put on our table in the position that he's put us in now. Even sometimes those painful places, if we really choose to be in the moment, just like Paul did when he was in prison, and know that he can rejoice in the, the trials, rejoice and celebrate in the storm in those places, I can just be with my family and just love it and enjoy it. It might annoy me. I might not get as much work as I want done that evening, but that's where God wants us to be, right in the moment, experiencing what he has for us in the here and now. This song's called Be Here Now. I've been working till I almost bleed Moving so fast, can't find my feet Natalie, we can't get no sleep Worrying how we're gonna make ends meet I've been walking on a wire High off the ground Feeling like a fighter been knocked down But I hear you saying hear you crying out Be here now Be here now Make another list on an empty page Write another song for the next big stage Hear a little voice and play with me But I'm too busy now, can't you see That I'm walking on a wire High off the ground Feeling like a fighter been knocked down But I hear you saying Hear you crying out Be here now For one in my life let go of my pride 
Thank you very much. Um, today on, and on, on tour this year as I travel around the West, I'm, I'm uh, supporting the work of, of Reach Beyond. And so as the final thing uh, today, I'd love you to turn your eyes to the screen in, in just a moment uh, for a, a little one-minute clip uh, on the work of, of Reach Beyond. They're a radio a ministry uh, out of Kununurra. It was formerly HCJB. Uh, so their ministry is, is worldwide. But here in, in, uh, in the Kimberley, uh, we have this awesome, awesome landscape that allows these 100-metre radio towers to transmit shortwave radio into the, the Far East. So right across uh, Southeast Asia, East Asia, right into to India, right across to Japan, uh, we get Christian messages in the language of, of the home countries out there. So everything you hear on, on Vision Christian Radio is translated into language, not the songs, but all the programs uh, that, that people can listen to and, and hear, short snippets that they can tune into different times of day. Why is it really important at the moment? No missions trips are running right now. You know, Australia's not sending people right now. You can't come and go freely right now, but, but nothing can stop radio. Even in countries where they're closed to the gospel, places that's traditionally hard like, like Burma or Myanmar or North Korea, we've got radio going into these places where people can listen in on cheap little transistor radios and get these awesome messages all about the faith. Uh, why don't you turn your eyes to the screen for a minute? as I share a bit of the work of Reach Beyond. Who would have thought that from a small town in the Kimberley region in Outback Australia, we could reach over 60% of the world's population with the gospel? This is the beautiful Kimberley with spectacular gorges, natural landscapes, waterfalls and unique outback experiences and the home of Reach Beyond Australia. This strategic location gives Reach Beyond the ability to take the gospel to unreached people groups in the Asia-Pacific region and beyond. Of course, they can only do this with the generous support of volunteers, local churches and partner organizations around the world. Partnership is an essential part of our DNA. It was one of the main reasons I came to work for Reach Beyond in 2009. Our shortwave facility here in Kununurra has incredible reach. We produce and broadcast programs from our partners in 30 languages every week to millions of people. Visit reachbeyond.org.au to find out how you can help. So my wife and I, we, we live on the property uh, there in, in Kununurra. We have different ministries there. Uh, if you'd like uh, to know more and support them, or if you'd like to come and volunteer on the property, this uh, accommodation or, or bring your caravan along and come and support from two weeks to six months. I uh, would love to see you there in the future. I've been Levi McGrath. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> 